first week um, was the most miserable, you know, week of my life. There was a point in the game where I got inside my own head and I really freaked myself out and told myself, what in the world did I get myself into? There is no amount of money that is worth this. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Adventure Deficit Show, where we're always on the lookout for new stories and the life lessons they might hold. Join me, your host, Drew DeVries, as we embark on today's journey to combat the deficit. Adventure Deficit Community, welcome to our podcast. Today's featured guest is Ben Henry from Survivor Nicaragua. Ben is going to share his story with us from his month in the wild. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Drew. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's great to hear your Good. voice. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And, thanks for joining uh, us. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to chat about my wild experience with the Adventure Deficit listeners. Cool. So Ben's time in Nicaragua was uh, was said to be harrowing. There were, uh, there were plenty of experiences that, that he's got to share with us, uh, but I asked him to pick a few that would highlight what the Adventure Deficit crew is after, which is the life lessons. Um, but before we dive into uh, into the climax, let's just kind of start from the very beginning. Ben, break down how how does one go about getting selected on the show Survivor? Well, you know, obviously that's that's where it all started. Um, the the crazy journey, and it began um, in Los Angeles, where I was living at the time. This was. Uh, 2010, February of 2010, um, okay. I worked I worked um, in the nightlife hospitality bar scene, and I was out one night, and I was hosting a table with a bunch of people, and um, I was actually recruited that night to, um, to go on Survivor. Um, a casting recruiter had come up to me and, um, you know, pulled out her business card. It was all loud, and I could barely hear her, and, and um, you know, she'd asked me if I'd ever heard of the show Survivor, and I asked her if that show was still on TV, um, you know, because I remember remember watching the show uh, when I was, when I was you know, growing up with my family. So yeah, yeah. I didn't even know the show, I didn't even know the show was still on TV. Anyway, um, you know, gave me her business card, told me to give her a call the next day, and I ended up um, shooting, her name was Jody, a text, and Jody and I remain very close to this day. Um, she's become a good friend, and, and obviously the reason that um, I was able to compete for a million dollars on Survivor. So, and you know, hundreds of thousands of people audition every season for Survivor, and um, there's, you know, a select few people that are, are recruited, um, which happened to be me. So very, you know, thankful for that, um, and for Jody coming into um, my work that Saturday night. So anyway, um, it was Oscar Sunday. I sent Jody a text message. She told me to wear exactly what I was wearing last night, get down to the Doubletree Hotel in Santa Monica, and I have to meet her boss, Lynn Spillman. And I'm, 
writing back like, whoa, 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 you know, it's Sunday, I'm a little bit hungover, and <laughs> sure. I have to <laughs> I have to pick up 200 cupcakes with my, you know, for my girlfriend to go to the Oscar viewer party, or viewing party that, that we were going to go to on, that we had plans to go to. Um, so anyway, I was kind of like, you know, can I meet her, you know, maybe Monday I could come down there, and she said, listen, you have to come down here today, I'm telling you, you have a very good shot at being on the show, um, you know, please get down here. And so anyway, you know, I'm 24 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm texting my parents and calling my parents saying, you know, this lady's telling me that she wants to put me on survivor, you know, what should I do? And I'm telling my girlfriend this and I have these plans. And so anyway, I ended up heading down to the double tree hotel in Santa Monica. Um, and I ended up uh, having a meeting with this lady, Lynn Spillman, who cast um, Amazing Race, Big Brother, Survivor, um, The Voice, and all of Mark Burnett's shows. So Lynn, um, after you know a few minutes of chatting with me, told me to pack a bag, go home, pack a bag, and she had a room for me at the Doubletree for the next few nights. I go pack a bag. I come down to the Doubletree. There's a bunch of other people that you can see that are auditioning for this season of Survivor. So you weren't allowed to talk to any of them. Um, you would have meals, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner down in this cafeteria. You would see who else is auditioning for the show. So every day I would sit in my hotel room. They had me watching, you know, multiple seasons, start to finish, back-to-back episodes to really familiarize myself with, with the show um, and be able to go into these meetings and, and you know, sort of know what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, so they would call my hotel room. I'd have a couple meetings a day, and these were mostly with casting um, directors and um, producers. Um, and then the last meeting that I had um, was with Jeff Probst and the casting producers. And so I met Jeff, and this was this was so the second day at the hotel. We come down the third day. You could tell they had sent a lot of people home. There were a lot of faces. Um, that were no longer there, and they told us that they were going to be sending people home, and I may or may not be there for that last night. So anyway, I woke up, and they still had me there. They loaded us up in some vans. We went to um, CBS Radford Studios. Um, I remember waiting in this cafeteria with my headphones on, listening to music. They told us this was the final meeting, um, that we were going to be meeting all you know CBS studio executives, um, with the casting directors, with the producers, with Mark Burnett, um, with Jeff Probst, and to be very prepared for this meeting. I walk into this room, and there was one chair on the end of the room that was for me, and on the other side of the room, there was probably a panel of 30 chairs with you know, all these CBS executives and casting associates that I'd seen in you know, the days uh, prior meetings and Jeff Probst and Mark Burnett. So, I mean, my, my stomach was in my feet, oh. and I was extremely clammy. I was so nervous, man. I and, can imagine. Um, you know, I walked in. They told me not to be. They, they sort of prepped me with, you know, Lynn prepped me. Um, she was kind of showing me off, so to speak, all of these final, you know, people that she had there. Okay. Um, to the network to, to, to sort of get a final approval. But in the room, in that final interview room, there's a camera, and I later found out that they, they told me that that was streaming to um, New York City, to all of the CBS execs in New York City. Oh, my word. Um, okay, um, so Lynn knows the whole time that she, you're her guy. Yeah, 
I think so. I think Lynn really liked it. Okay. Um, she was she was selling me. Um, I actually, to be honest, Drew, kind of like blacked out that that meeting. Um, I remember everybody laughing. I remember Lynn Stillman asking me a few questions, telling me, you know, get out of here and sort of shooing me out of the room. And I remember thinking, like, I wasn't in there nearly long enough. Like, I had so much more to talk about. And um, I was so inside of my own head. I didn't know if I completely bombed and or 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 if I killed it. I, like, remember them laughing, and, and I just didn't know. I honestly had, like, zero idea, and I usually have a pretty good idea of, you know, how things went into conversation, an interview, a meeting, and it drove me nuts, man, for two days, um, which isn't that long, but it seemed like an eternity at the time, Yeah. and, um, you know, at, at, at this point, like, you know, even though I was recruited at first, I was kind of like, okay, you want me to be on Survivor, you know, what's going on sort of thing, and then, you know, the further I got, and I'm, I'm in the hotel watching the season start to finish, I'm picturing myself on this show, I got this lady in my ear chirping at me, telling me that, that I have a very good shot at being on the show, they start talking, you know, obviously the, the prize is a million dollars, I'm 24 years old, I'm broke, living in Los Angeles, like, I wanted this thing bad. So anyway, um, I get a call from, from Mark Burnett himself uh, two days after that interview at CBS. Come on. And it was pretty surreal um, because, you know, the more research I did on the show, the more research I did on Mark Burnett, and I was a big fan. And she said, Ben Ray, this is Mark, and I wanted to let you know that we really enjoyed um, meeting with you and talking with you over the last few days. And it's kind of this, like, drawn-out conversation where it's, like, this slow, you know, we really enjoyed meeting you. And when he said that, I was like, no way. Like, he's going to tell me thanks, but no thanks sort of thing. Okay. And um, anyway, he said, um, we would love to invite you to be on the next season of Survivor. <laughs> I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you where we are going yet. But I will tell you that you are about to embark on, you know, the most epic adventure of your life. Um, and we would love to have you, you know, would, would you like to be a part of the 21st season of Survivor cast? And I kind of, I just kind of blacked out that moment. Yeah. I remember, and I literally drew, like, dropped to my knees. And uh, I told him, you know... Mr. Burnett, I would love to join the next season of Survivor. Thank you so much for the, this opportunity. I will not let you down. Like, I am your next soul survivor. On cloud 11. Yeah, it was, It was. Um, you know, a feeling, honestly, that I've never felt. And I, and like that, you know, it was something that I, over that the course of that week, you know, I feel like I kind of manifested in a way. I was praying and I'm, you know, faithful and, and, um, yeah. I just really, really, um, wanted it to happen. And, and, uh, I ended up making it happen. What happens between the point where you get picked for the cast and, uh, you depart for the actual, um, filming? For about two months, it was this, you know, I would hear from them when I heard from them and I would get them what they needed when they needed it. And other than that, you know, they, it was this hurry up and wait game, you know, for about the month of March, I, there was so much medical, um, things, things that I had to go through. They did a, you know, big, um, 
medical psych evaluation. Oh yeah, you got to get all your shots and everything too, right? Yeah, pretty pretty extensive background check. Well, the shots came later. Oh okay. Um, but there was a lot of you know a lot, a lot of paperwork. Um, I submitted all of my outfits, so they they were messaging me telling me I needed you know pick certain colors of this, that, shorts, long sleeves, and submit all of these clothes oh seriously um, so i was doing that I, and in all this time I, I had no idea where we were going you know i wanted some answers um, sure. so i finally found out um in april that we were going to be going to nicaragua and i had uh i had one month to prepare before we left and so i knew where we were going to be i knew that we were going to be on the water i knew that some of the challenges would probably be um you know swimming related Okay. And then it was kind of like training time, and it was kind of fun. It was like I knew where I was going. I was so excited. Um, you know, I was kind of studying the regions and, 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 and you know, doing my research um, as much as I could. But there's, there's really, you know, no amount of due diligence that, that you can do. Um, you know, it was kind of like, do I stuff my face with Krispy Kremes and <laughs> put up, you know, and, and, and put on a bunch of weight? you know, and, and kind of hibernate in hopes or, of, do yeah. I, or do I, do I hit the gym and, and, you know, try and get all fit and, and, you know, start swimming laps and, and, you know, prepare that way. I mean, I, I didn't even know where to start. And I think the best thing, um, you know, that I did was I just continued to watch the show and oh, I yeah. really continued to, you know, analyze, um, the way that things were happening and, and sort of just the different dynamics and variables of the game. So um, I watched a lot of Survivor for that month. Um, I did train and, and you know, I did um, work on, you know, my fitness and my endurance and, um, you know, ate healthy and, and tried to get as healthy as possible, get my immunity system up. Um, then it, it came. What were some of the things that you were doing just like as a regular routine? Were you doing just push-ups and sit-ups or were you, were you doing like a specific diet or were you hitting the weights? What were you doing? Yeah, I was hitting the weights and more so working on like cardio. You know, I was running a lot, trying to just really get in, in, in good shape. Okay. Um, Lung capacity. Yeah, exactly. I was in the gym. I was swimming laps. I was in the <laughs> ocean. Um, you know, pretty much just preparing like that and, and eating really well, which so, is, which is hugely you know, important to me, you know, at 24 knew I knew I was going to be on, on TV with my shirt off. So we flew down to Miami. We were in a hotel one night in Miami. The next morning we woke up, they put us in a bus. Um, and it was at the terminal pretty much where I saw every, you know, the other 19 people that I was going to be competing um with on this next season of survivors so we were not allowed to say a word uh we all boarded the plane flew straight to managua which is the capital of nicaragua i had no idea if we were going to land and we were going to start filming or if we were you know where we were going to land again they didn't tell us anything so i had no idea sort of what was happening you know i was kind of freaked out in my head i didn't you know i was young i didn't really know what i get myself into and yeah i can um, imagine just a lot of positive self-talk at this point yeah exactly so we land in managua um we get our bags we get into these like blackout vans um like almost like the tin foil around the window so we could not be out 
they put ten in one and ten in the other. <laughs> um, Old school style. And then, and then a producer, a producer in each band. You weren't allowed to talk. Um, so again, I'm listening to my headphones. Had no, they didn't tell us how far we were driving, where we were going. I didn't know if the doors were going to open and cameras were going to be rolling. Um, no idea. So I, uh, they have all our bags. I didn't know where my bag was or anything. So okay. get these blackout bands. We drive for like two and a half hours. End up opening the doors where this, you know, beautiful sort of villa um, on this cliff overlooking the ocean. Incredible view. Oh, wow. At the time, like, the, the sun is setting, um, and it was absolutely stunning. And uh, and no, no cameras were rolling, so I knew we weren't, you know, starting to film. We walk in, you know, through these, through these trees into, like, this villa into this big kitchen, and there's this big team of chefs that have this have this huge meal feast prepared for us. And um, Mark Burnett was down there, and he tells us that the game has started. Even though you are not allowed to talk to one another, the game has started. You can watch You can watch each other. You can see who's going to eat, who's not going to eat. You can smile at each other. You can wink at each other. You can uh, flip one another off, but you can't talk to each other. So did you, you dive know, in? The, the, yeah, man, I gorged. I was so hungry, traveling all day, had no idea, and there was this amazing meal prepared for us. And um, so I went to town, man. I, I stuffed my face. <laughs> yeah, and, um, I would have too. Did anybody? <laughs> did anybody up, opt out, Ben? You know, not really. I think everybody ate for the most part. Okay. Um, yeah, I would have uh, been. I would have been part of that crew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't see anybody that didn't eat, and I'm talking like you know, desserts and they had cold beers and whatever we wanted. So, nice. um, we knew that, that once you were voted off, we knew that there was a team of chefs, um, you know, these comfy beds, hot showers, infinity pools, this luxurious villa with this incredible view of San Juan del Sur was waiting for us on the other side. Okay. Um, I got you. So they give you so a they, glimpse of paradise. I wanted to make that a point, you know, they sure. kind of wanted that ingrained in the back of our head that, you know, if, if you get voted off, this is where you come, the lap of luxury, you know. But anyway, we spent a few days there. They, we didn't know when we were going to start filming. Throughout that process, we went through survivor school. Um, we were trained and taught what was endangered, what we could and could not kill, what was poisonous, how to weave palm fronds, um, you know, really just sort of educated on... on the area that we were going to be living in. Educate us a little bit about what uh, what's native to Nicaragua that you can eat and, and what might be potentially hazardous, or did you learn about any poisonous snakes or, or plants or noxious weeds that, uh, that you might mistake for something that might be edible? Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, poisonous berries, lots of berries. Um, so tamarind um, is is a fruit that, that grows there. Okay. There was these, these tamarind trees. And tamarind was something that we could eat and that they did suggest that we eat, um, which I ended up eating a lot of. Okay. And I ate a lot of tamarind that wasn't even ripe, um, just to have something you know to chew on while I was out there. But yeah, a lot of poisonous snakes. Um, there was some poison ivies that we were to, you know, to stay away from. There, there was some stuff we had to be cautious of. Um, we went through this survivor school, so it was actually, you know, really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and something I had no, 
idea that we were going to go through. They didn't tell us. We just woke up, you know, one day at this Ponderosa, didn't know if we were going to start filming or not. I was, was my question in my head every day, like, when are we going to start? Like, what's going on? We did that. Um, and then, you know, wake up the day after survivor school thinking that we're going to start and, you know, all excited and pumped, ready to wake up. And we ended up having two days of interviews, like pre-game interviews. So all these media outlets flew down to Nicaragua. So we spent time doing these like pre-game interviews where they wanted to know a little bit about us, um, you know, our background, why why we think we are going to win the million dollars, what we would do with the million dollars, you know, and so on. So we went through these pre-game interviews um, for about two days. Yeah. And then... Um, you know, we woke up on the fifth day, and uh, or the fifth morning, it was about 5 a.m., they woke us up, and um, they handed us each a bag of clothes that they had selected. So we were, you know, I think, I, like I told you earlier, we were submitting clothes that they were requesting, and I was literally mailing them, um, you know, a ton of different clothes. And okay. so they ended up, you know, keeping whatever clothes they wanted. They handed me this bag of clothes. These were going to be my in-game clothes. Okay. So they have they have a producer come by and the producer hands you your bag of clothes, you know, tells you to strip down um, and you got to put the clothes on right there. So you, you, I literally had to strip down naked in front of this producer and oh, weird. Put, this, put this Ziploc bag, you know, he hands me this big Ziploc bag, puts these clothes on, tells me to spread my legs, spread my arms and do a little 360 for him. Oh, jeez. I think in years past, people had tried to sneak or bring certain things onto the island or onto the show. Some um, contraband. I think I heard at one point, yeah, some fishing line for some reason. I think I heard a candy bar at one point. Um, <laughs> I heard, you know, sleeping meds or medication um, somebody tried to sneak on. So anyway, that was the reason for the uh, the the. 360, uh, you know, cheek spread. Yeah, and I can only imagine somebody <laughs> must really dig a Snickers if they're willing to put it where uh, where the sun don't shine in order to snag yeah, it a week right. later, right? Uh, from there on, we were we we got dressed, we loaded back into those blackout vans, we drove for only about 15 minutes. Okay. And uh, the back of these vans opened, and there was Mark Burnett and Jeff Probst, the host. They had everybody. You know, all 20 contestants there, they kind of did this, they had us all in these tents um, and kind of did this, like, pre-game sort of rally where they tried to, where they did. They hyped us up and, and really, you know, got everybody pumped up. They had a big cooler of water there, so everybody's chugging water bottles. This is the last, you know, fresh water bottle that we're going to see until we're voted out of this game. Um, so they suggested, you know, slam this until you you know, have to pee, like drink as much water as possible. So yes. it's all sitting in the tent, slamming water, and they kind of tell us how this is going to work, and, and um, you know, we're ready to go. So we ended up, you know, walking out of this tent, and they took, we took a spot on the mat, and it was such a surreal experience just from, you know, watching all these seasons start to finish over the course of the last several months. And then to be on the mat, you know, to be in the game, to be in front of Jeff Probst, to have him say welcome to the 21st season of Survivor Nicaragua was just completely surreal oh my um, word. experience. And, and it just all happened so fast. And, um, you know, I, I just feel extremely lucky still, seven years later now, 
um, to to you know have gone through what I what I went through. Every season gets its own set of of different rules, right? Yeah. So every season typically has you know like a theme. Um, my particular season, twenty one Nicaragua, was um, sort of old old versus young. They had a tribe that was uh, 40 and older, and they had a tribe that was 30 and younger. So they casted me to be on the young tribe, and um, so I'm sitting there. They have us all split up, and in my season, they had they used this, you know, kind of a spin on things that they had never done before was this medallion of power. Um, so that was basically our first challenge was, you know, they started this season by setting everybody you know, to run off to find this medallion of power. So um, we ended up finding this medallion of power. You know, Probe sends us back, each of us to our to our to our beach, hands us a map and a chest full of, you know, a tin of rice and a couple, you know, utensils that we're gonna use for the next however long and gives us the map and tells us to find our, you know, hike to our hike to our beach. Yeah. And then you know, cameras stopped rolling. They put us back in the vans, which was pretty funny. We didn't have to hike to our beach. And they drove, you know, each tribe to their beach. Aside from the rides in the vans, I mean, you you mentioned that, and it kind of made it sound like that was a little bit of a, a cut corner or, or an easy way to get to your oh, campsite. No. But you guys have yeah. literally no provisions, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I didn't look in a mirror, brush my teeth, wash my face, um you know, for 33 days over a month. Yeah, uh, the so ride, you're, you're grunging it. Yeah, the, I mean, they, we had absolutely nothing. The, the rides were actually, where we were on this island, it was tough to, there was there was bridges that you had to cross and just some, some obstacles that prevented us from actually being able to walk from where we were okay. to the campsite. No sure. means did we get a limousine. <laughs> okay, okay. Had, like these army these army vans that they, you know, put you in. And mind you, you are not allowed to say a word because cameras are not rolling. You know, I mean, that, the first week um, was the most miserable, you know, week of my life. There was a point in the game where I got inside my own head and I really freaked myself out and told myself, what in the world did I get myself into? There is no amount of money that is worth this. There were torrential downpours. Uh, we were in Nicaragua, so the middle of the rainforest in peak rain season. Um, so throughout, you know, filming, we got 200 inches of rain. Uh, there were, you know, days on end where it would rain and not stop, and they show that in my season. There was, you know, production had said that um, they had really never seen as much rain uh, in any season as they did in our season. I got to imagine starting a fire becomes next to impossible. Yeah, we were able to fortunately keep um, ambers, you know, really hot, and we were able to keep wood dry. Uh, we made it a point, you know, to where it started to, before it started to rain, we dug a big hole and we kept, you know, a bunch of dry wood under our shelter. We we really shielded our fire with uh, these palm fronds. We were weaving these palm fronds and kind of created this canopy okay. over the fire. Um, and actually... Um, when I was on the LaFleur tribe, which was all the young guys, our fire went out and we had no fire. It was pitch black, couldn't sleep, soaking wet, um, you know, and that happened for a few days in a row. 
um, which which at that that was the time where I was really questioning what I got myself into and really didn't want to be out there anymore. And we had, you know, so we had two people um, quit on my season, which is highly frowned upon. Oh, yeah. The reason, the reason that the, the casting process is so extensive is because that they really, you know, weed out. Um, they do a good job. They have always done a good job at weeding out people that would quit versus people that wouldn't quit. And, um, so they, there's been a few people that have quit. We were season 21 and they were like the third and fourth people that have ever quit, you know, that threw off the whole production schedule. It threw off challenge schedule. Like it, it just took two people out of the game. Anyway, uh, we, we did end up doing a, a tribe switch about a week into the game. Um, yeah. the Espada tribe, the tribe that I moved to, their fire had been burning for um, like two weeks straight. Their fire actually never went out until this lady Jane put it out at the end of the season. Awesome. So but when they started the fire on day one, it never went out. So that fire was lit for 38 days. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really impressive. So once Espada and, and LaFleur were joined, you got to actually participate in, in the that pleasure, right? Right. Well, we yeah, we did a, a tribe switch before the merge, but yeah, once we merged, oh, that's right. We okay. were at the okay. We were at the Espada tribe or at the Espada beach and had a nice fire and a nice nice tent. You know that that's why I say that first week was so miserable. There was a point in the game where I was like, "There's no amount of money that's worth this." What did I get myself into? Totally Freaking myself out, and then you know. You start positioning yourself closer to the million dollars. You start, um, you know, making some alliances, and you, you know, you're winning challenges. We finally had a tarp over our shelter, um, okay. which was incredible. It was the most like I couldn't even tell you how thankful I was for this tarp. Yeah, this tarp like changed changed our life. We were able to stay dry. We started laughing and crying. Um, that night we won the tarp and it started we saw this dark cloud roll in over the you know you could see uh costa rica from from our beach so we see this dark cloud rolling in from costa rica and it finally hit that monsoon and we are in our shelter with our with our brand new tarp canopied over and we all start like i think a couple people were crying because that's how miserable they were a couple days prior, you know, when we did not have a tarp, and then you just—it was like Chinese torture, like this drip on your face, like these drips. You're just soaking wet. Oh man! Yeah. So the fact that we could stay dry, we kind of positioned our fire to be under the tarp a little bit, um, so we could have some flame and heat up, you know, heat up our living space. Yeah. And it was, you know, that that was the point where it was like. 10 days into the game, two weeks into the game, where your shelter kicks ass, your stomach is no longer, you know, your stomach is digested now, so you're no longer starving. Um, you know, you're starting to position yourself closer to this money. And hey, there became that point in, in two weeks into the game where there was just like, man, I felt like I could be out there for months, six months. How, how would you describe, like, high point, low point, I would I gotta imagine the low point would have been that torrential rain without cover, and then the high point had to have been either when you got fire or when you got uh, that tarp. Definitely, the low was 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 that first week. Um, 
pretty miserable. You yeah. know, you're you're insane with nineteen strangers and yeah. these producers that are strangers that are asking you these questions and telling you things that you don't know what to believe because for the last two months they haven't told you anything that's like added up. So Yeah. Anyway, I felt really alone. Um, there was a lot of alone time, you know, hiking around and just thinking and praying and um, exploring. And, you know, a lot of times I found myself like worried and down and, and just all inside my own head. And then two weeks into the game, you win the tarp. I was, I was, you know, a strong asset um, in challenges, you know, for these physical challenges. So I was, I was really contributing to these uh, rewards and these food rewards and, and um, you know, camp life was great. And so I think, you know, be, you know, two weeks into the game, it was just an incredible feeling that I had that, I, you know, felt like I could be out there for months. And I had all these epiphanies of, you know, I'm going to go back to the States and I'm going to do this and I can't wait to hug my mom and tell her this. And, you know, it was just, it was really, really cool part of the experience. What an awesome experience. Another low was when, when I got voted out, you know. Talk to us about kind of your final your final night. The night that I went home, I had no idea I was going home. Um, I, I ended up, you know, I was the final six. Um, so being that close, you know, being within five people from a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, I, I was way more complacent than I should have been, I think. I really should have analyzed um, the situation differently, you know, from different perspectives, I think, and yeah. put my, I could have put, put myself in, in the remaining player's shoes and kind of just analyzed differently. Um, but instead, you know, these people were my friends and we were getting along and laughing and, you know, telling me they're never going to vote me out. And I'm telling myself, like, this is crazy. I'm going to win this money. And... I just got complacent, and uh, I didn't think that I was going home. And I, they uh, ended up blindsiding me. I had no idea I was going home. There was a couple people that had told me that they would never write my name down right. um, on a card, never vote me out, and, and swear to me, and they ended up doing so. So, um, But that's the game. You know, it's the game of Survivor, and it's cutthroat, and it's for a million bucks. And at the end of the day, everybody knows it's for a game, and I should have... I should have been more um, prepared than I was. And I remember, you know, being so upset with myself and replaying that over and over and over in my head. And there were so many coulda, shoulda, woulda, uh, as I had, um, you know, time to think about it. I just am very fortunate for how far I made it in the game. And I'm, I'm very proud of myself, um, you know, for how far I made it and how well I did and, and just, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically, um, the way that I, you know, competed and continued to push myself. I think, you know, I would have went through that experience uh, for free. I would have done it without cameras. I would do it again tomorrow. I think it taught me so much about myself, um, really, you know, helped me grow as a person. I think that um, there's really nothing that I not accomplish anymore. I think it came at such a great time in my life at 24 years old, um, really put so much into perspective in terms of what's important and what's not. And I loved Los Angeles and it was the best thing I ever did was get out of my bubble and, 
and uh, you know spend spend my twenties there. I think that Survivor um, really you know put a lot into perspective, like I said, and has a lot to do with why I'm living back in Denver. And, um, from things as simple as you know how how much I love to sit in a chair. I didn't sit in a chair for over a month. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't wash my face. Look in a mirror. From something as simple as sitting in a chair to um, you know, something as major as, you know, just being close to my family um, and realizing, you know, the people that truly matter in your life. You know, everything I got to do after the show, I think, made that experience even more worth it and helped ease the pain a little bit. Um, you know, for, for every August, we take Mark Burnett shows. It's kind of like the family. Um, and so there were some really cool things that I got to do after Survivor. I did an Armed Forces uh, entertainment tour with AFE, and we went with uh, the final um, six survivors and final six American idols. We went to Okinawa, Guam, Singapore, all over Japan. I got to go to Diego Garcia, um, all these different military bases where we got to hang out with the troops, and um, we did survivor challenges, and the American Idols would sing and perform, and it just meant so much to these troops who are, you know, um, stationed all over. For our country, they're stationed all over. They're so bored. You know, at first I was kind of like, they're going to, like, what are we doing? They're going to know who we are? Like, what do you mean? And I'm telling you, man, it was so emotional every time they left each base um, just because of the bonds that we formed with these with these troops, um, you know, and service members overseas uh, throughout the week that we were at each base, and it, it just meant so much to them, which in turn meant so much to us. Um, and you know, it was a for me personally, um, you know, one of the most amazing experiences outside of Survivor that I've that I've ever been through was that Armed Forces Entertainment Tour. We do this thing called Give Kids the World. It's, it's in Orlando. It's every August. And we take all these kids with terminal cancer and terminal illness to, to Disney World um, for their first times. You know, their families um, have spent so much money on medical bills throughout, you know, their lives. They've never had an opportunity to take these kids and their family to Disney World. So we collectively get together as a group and um, sort of sponsor this event called Give Kids the World in Celebration Florida, and we take all these kids um, and give them this, you know, pretty uh, once-in-a-lifetime epic experience that they've never dreamed of having. It made those miserable nights during the first week um, with torrential downpours worth it, and it made, um, you know, getting voted out, you know, five people before a million dollars worth it. Um, I'm 30 years old now and, and enjoying enjoying life and, and really, you know, credit my survivor experience to, um, you know, sort of the happiness that I have right now. So you go in with, uh, with fame and fortune kind of, kind of, um, on a platter before you and all the while the, the biggest takeaway was, wasn't fame or fortune. It, it sounds a whole lot more like, uh, the experience gave you more of a relational appreciation yeah. There's a lot that, you know, I did um, take for granted, and and it was thing um, that put everything into perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was kind of caught up in, in Los Angeles and material things and, 
you know, money. And at the end of the day, like Survivor kind of saved me from all that superficial mess and, and, um, you know, really kind of reminded me, um, you know, where I came from and my morals and my values and put so much into perspective from things, like I said, as simple as, you know, sitting in a chair to, you know, who's, who's really got my back at the end of the day. And I am, you know, just sort of growing up, I guess, in a sense. And it all started with, with, uh, with Survivor. Well, Ben, I think that was uh, a wonderful segment. I just wanted to say thanks for taking the time to spend uh, an hour with us. Uh, if you have any questions, Adventure Deficit community, you can uh, you can hit me up at drew at adventuredeficit.com or you can check out uh, the show notes that we'll post online at www.adventuredeficit.com. Ben, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Sure, thanks. See you guys.